0: The early Christians talked about singleness in marriage. How did they talk about it? By contrast, how are single adults viewed in our churches today? And is that consistent with the way they've been viewed throughout the history of the church? Is singleness a gift, an empowerment uh, that single adults need to uh, to overcome the the temptation that comes with a life of singleness? We'll discuss these questions more with our guest author, Danny Treeweek. I'm your host, Scott Ray, and this is Think Biblically from Talbot School of Theology, Biola University. Danny, welcome. Great to have you with us. Uh, On the subject of singleness and marriage, first of all, what would you tell our married listeners right from the start to ensure that they keep listening and don't dismiss the rest of this podcast as irrelevant to their lives?
1: Uh, well, I think the first thing I'd say is just think of how many sermons and talks and podcasts our, your single friends have listened to on marriage and stick with this one just on singleness. But <laughs> That's, more, that's um, totally think, fair. <laughs> more seriously, though, there, <clears throat> there are good reasons why. The first is that actually, you know, if you're married and listening to this podcast today, I expect that there are single people in your life who you love um, and who you want to serve well and care for And so thinking about singleness theologically is really important for the way that you love those people. Um, Secondly, and this can be hard to hear, um, but the reality is that, you know, by and large, 50% of everyone who is married uh, right now is likely to be single again at some point in their life. And that's a difficult thing to engage with, Um, you know, death and divorce are both tragedies. Um, But many married people will again be single at some point in their life. And so thinking about singleness now is actually a really valuable thing that you can be doing for yourself. But finally, um, marriage and singleness, neither of them are actually just about us as individuals in our lives. They're actually about who we are as the body of Christ together, what it looks like for us to be church, um, brothers and sisters, one another. Um, And so this is as much singleness is as much um, a topic for married Christians to be engaging with because they are together with single Christians part of the body.
0: Yeah, now we're, we're going to spell out a lot more of that as we as we go through this because that's a really important mm-hmm. part of some of the work that you've done. And I don't know if this is true in Australia where you come from, but in the U.S., you know, now over 50% of uh, heads of households are single adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we we passed the 50% mark actually Almost a decade ago in the United States, is that is that also true in Australia?
1: Yeah, it's, well, the stats are very difficult to work out, but the one that I find most surprising and significant is that nearly in Australia, nearly one in four households are solo occupied. So when you you know when you walk around the average neighbourhood, nearly every one in four households has someone living in it alone, and that doesn't even include shared households households which have other singles living together in it. So there are significantly more unmarried people in our communities than I think we realize.
0: So how did you get interested in this subject of singleness?
1: Well, I'm single myself. I've never been married. And so um, I was uh, studying at a theological seminary, um, thinking about ministry, future for myself, and having to grapple with, well, what does my singleness mean? Um, But then going out into working in um, as a women's minister in a church in Sydney, a lot of my time was spent um, caring for, pastoring, loving other single women uh, who were grappling with a lot of the questions that I was really trying to wrestle with too and just not sure where to go for answers um, in our sort of Christian discourse. And uh, it just... Over many years, God sort of was working in my life and in my relationships with other people who were encouraging me to do some more work in this area. Um, Originally, I thought, oh, well, I'll write a book on singleness, but gosh, there's so many books on singleness. Why just write another one if there's not something new or important to say? And so um, somehow I got convinced to do a PhD on a theology of singleness. And so um, I'm now writing the book based on the PhD, uh, which is yeah, where I'm now at
0: well that's I think that's the way it should be done um, to get to really go in depth on the subject and then write a book at a more popular level on that I think is is wise to do that. Uh, now, let's think about in Australia, I know you may not be able to speak to the u s experience quite like some of our listeners are aware, but in, in Australia, how are single adults viewed in the church?
1: Yeah. It, it's very my I mean my impression is it's very similar to the US and that's largely because a lot of the Christian teaching that has shaped um, the Christian conversation in Australia about singleness has come from the US as well uh, and so you know in terms of that theological input it's it's very shared. Um, my sense is that it's probably um, a little more, uh, Heartfeltly direct in the US than it is in Australia. Um, what do you, what do you mean to, by that? Well, I mean talking to single Christians over here in the US, where I, I am currently now, um, I think they hear the teaching that comes out of a lot of you know our churches on singleness in a far more direct and um, problematic way. I guess I think we've. I think I'm trying to say in Australia things the edges are a little softer, um, a little I see. blurrier. I think, um, but. Underneath the foundation is, is largely the same. And it's, I, I think it is that single Christians are, um, well, abnormal in some sense, um, not sort of on the trajectory of what Christian life is meant to be. Um, they're lacking in fulfilment, um, whether that's rom- romantically or sexually, relationally. Uh, there's a sense in which single Christians are seen to be sort of intrinsically immature spiritually. They've never kind of grown up as Christians. Uh, there's some gender differences. I think single Christian men tend to be more objects of suspicion at times, whereas single Christian women mm-hmm. tend to be more objects of pity. Uh, and I know mean, I'm talking in broad generalizations, yeah, I but, but um, I think that's generally true both over back home for me in Australia, but also here in the U.S.,
0: Part of the reason I asked for that, I was a singles pastor for a while before moving into an academic setting, uh, and this was this was back you know some years ago, but uh, it was I think it was largely viewed in the churches that I was involved in that single adults were somehow not qu- not quite complete,
1: yeah, by virtue yeah. of yeah.
0: being single, and that 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 the period of singleness was a, a, a parenthesis period.
1: Uh, yes, that's right. And yeah. until, until so it's kind and, of the, it's a training ground for marriage. I think we think of singleness as a preparation for marriage, and if you don't ever move out of the preparation period, well, you've kind of failed to launch in a sense.
0: And I, and I want I just I wondered uh, at the time and still do today, uh, is it possible that there may be some ways in which the culture at large views single adults that might actually be more biblical than the way they're viewed in the church. Uh, what do you yeah. make? What do you make of that notion?
1: It's an interesting question. I'm not sure. I would looking around at the culture around me. I'm not sure I would say that they view singles more biblically than the church. But that's not because the church, I think, views singles particularly biblically. I actually think probably both the culture and the church are fairly unbiblical in their view of singleness. But having said that, you know, again, speaking in generalities, I think. That single people in the world around us can be treated with far more dignity, and honor, and respect in their singleness than often singles in the church are treated by by Christians. Um, so that is a bit of an indictment on us as evangelical Christians. I think.
0: I think that that's, that's part of what I mean by that. And maybe mm. they're maybe they're treated a little differently. I wonder if there's my my sense in the culture is that for a lot of single. Uh, men and women, both, they don't view that that period of singleness as as life being on hold. Mm, uh, yes, that they, you know, yep. that, that you know, they're just they're getting on with their lives. And if marriage happens, great. If it doesn't, they're on, they're on with their lives just to, you know just as aggressively. Do yes, You see yeah, that I playing out right. too.
1: Yes, I think so. I agree. I think one of the tricks there is that um. You know, the world around us in sort of getting on with your life as a single person, the world around us would say, live a really, you know, self-focused life, enjoy the freedom and, you know, the me focus that you get to have as a single person. And I think that's what I meant by not thinking, not treating singles, particularly biblically, because that's not a biblical view of singleness either, obviously. Um, So, so yes, I think there is that distinction there.
0: Yeah, I would not. I would not want to view singleness as a time when my autonomy no. can can run on steroids. <laughs> with, with, oh, I like that. Without any without any guardrails.
1: Uh, no, I didn't expect that you would. <laughs>
0: now, now you you don't particularly like the notion of singleness or sometimes celibacy uh, described as a gift. Um, and t- 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 well, it depends us,
1: what you mean by that.
0: Well, in, I think. Well, tell us what. Tell us how you understand sure. that, and why you don't like that notion.
1: Well, I like I, I like the notion of my singleness being considered a gift, but the question is, what does that mean? What does you know the so-called gift of singleness mean? And so, where I um, where I have trouble with is this idea of the gift of singleness being this special spiritual, extraordinary kind of calling or empowerment to singleness, um, which is reserved for a, a select few. Um, more and more I'm seeing it being used in the language of kind of a gift of asexuality. Um, This idea that you're completely free from any desire for marriage or sexual intimacy or anything like that, so that you can just live this wonderfully content single life. And I don't think that is the biblical picture of what it means for singleness to be a gift. I think the Bible talks about singleness as a gift in in a different way to that.
0: Now, one of the things that I think you you imply in your work is the, this idea of a, a an empowerment to mm. somehow just stay on top of sexual temptation uh, in a way that people who don't have that gift or empowerment are simply unable to do so mm. um, yeah and I think and and so the the idea that uh you know if if you you know if you can't if you can't find yourself handling sexual temptation adequately, then the answer is you better, you better think seriously about being married mm. uh, to keep yourself from, from satisfying those desires with immoral means. Mm. Uh, and so the, when, when it's described in that way, I, 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 think, I, I think I rightly read your work as objecting to that notion because all of us are called to resist sexual temptation, whether married or not. Uh, yes, and that we all, yeah. and that sort of this idea that uh, singleness and asexuality go together, yes. strikes strikes me as really unrealistic.
1: Um, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's exactly right. Uh, um, you know, the reality is that all of our life, whether it's in the sexual arena or any other arena, is a life where we're continuing to struggle with our sinful temptations and desires. And the Bible says that you know the grace of God has come that. Teaches us to renounce these things and trains us to say no to them. Um, we've got, you know, passages where Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit being self control, where the Bible exhorts us to flee from sexual morality. And so there's a sense in which the scripture speaks very strongly about our agency in actually saying no to sexual sin in our lives, that we don't. I'm not quite sure where we've got this idea that we need this special kind of what I call booster shot of the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. of asexuality or whatever that is, um, because that just doesn't seem to be the broader picture of what's going on with sin and salvation and sanctification in Scripture. I will make one caveat, which I think there are, you know, a couple of parts in Scripture where Paul Um, So in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 9, the Apostle Paul says it's better to marry than to burn. Um, So he does take seriously that if you are someone who not, I think, just has a healthy, normal kind of sex drive, but is engaged in habitual sexual immorality, um, then marriage is something for you to consider. But what you also have to think there is marriage is not a remedy to sexual sin. You could go off and get yourself married and how will you be treating your spouse if your purpose for marrying them is just so you have a proper outlet to express your sexual desires in a way that you didn't before? So it's we need to have much more thorough conversations about all of this. I think.
0: I don't. I don't think my wife would have taken it taken it particularly well if I had uh, proposed no. marriage to her on that basis. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, um, now you do a lot of a lot of really good work on how the early Christians. Talked about singleness and marriage, Uh, and your point, I think, is a good one that they talked about it really differently than we Mm. tend to talk about it today. So, when the early Christians talked about singleness, how did they frame it, and Mm. and how's that sort of different than the way we talk about it today?
1: Well, I mean, the first most obvious thing to say is that they, the early church, didn't actually talk about singleness itself. Singleness is a term that only developed in about the 14th century. So. We, this is, I think, a really important point. When we're doing work in history, when we're looking at historical texts, which the Bible is one, and understanding the Bible in its historical setting but also the early church in its historical setting, we have to not just, we have to be aware that we don't read our cultural, societal kind of perspectives directly on top of a completely different historical societal perspective. And so singleness for us today you know, there's all sorts of in the West. This is all sorts of things about personal agency and decision and choice and circumstance that just would have been completely foreign to you know a first, second, third century Christian context where marriages were largely arranged for you by your parents, where you really didn't have any kind of option or agency in that um, in that in a, in a way that we would recognise today. So the first thing to say is. We have to be careful not to just kind of superimpose our context onto historical context as we're reading that context. And singleness is an example of that. We think of this language of singleness. The early church didn't have the language of singleness. They had the language of virginity or um, a word which I actually would love to see us reclaim but sounds a bit odd because we use it in a very different way. They spoke about continents. Um, Now, clearly they're talking about sexual continence there but the language of continence, the language of chastity, um, widowhood, uh, all of these were very much part of the early church's framework of what it was to be either married or unmarried. Um, so that's the first thing to say. But what did they actually think about the state of being unmarried? Well, they didn't talk about this idea of um, a gift of continence as kind of this special spiritual empowerment uh, to a life of singleness in the way that we would. They just talk about both marriage and singleness being states that are gifts from God. The situation of being married or the situation of being single, the situation of being chaste in your marriage, the situation of being continent in your singleness were both just simply wonderful gifts that God had given his people. Um, So for the first four centuries or so, that's by and large where they were at.
0: So it, it had. It sounds like it had to do more with the particular station in life that you were in.
1: Yeah, as a, the situation uh, you were in. Yeah, that's as, right. Yeah, yeah, as
0: opposed to a, a capacity.
1: That's exactly uh, right. It wasn't. They weren't so much talking about ability and capacity to be sexually holy. That was kind of taken for granted for all sorts of reasons. That if you were unmarried then not only was it within your capacity, but it was your responsibility as a Christian to be sexually holy. They w- they weren't engaged with the same questions we were about, is that possible? How do you do that? It was almost taken for granted in many senses.
0: Okay. Now, you highlight Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians 7, 7, which mm-hmm. you, might, you might just restate that verse for our listeners who might not be familiar with it.
1: Uh, yes. It's, it's, Paul says, um, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has a particular gift from God, one having one kind and another a different kind. And in the context there, he's talking about being unmarried um, at that point that he was writing the letter.
0: Yes. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the things I think is helpful for our listeners in the background, too. I, th- I mean, there's a, there's a good argument, I think, to be made that Paul was actually married at one point. Mm. uh because I think it would have been highly unlikely that he could have qualified to be a member of the sanhedrin without being married yes, uh, yep. and that the the speculate and he's obviously speaking as a single person in first corinthians 7 7 or writing in that way and the speculation is that when he came to faith his wife actually left him um mm. and that's all that's all hopefully moderately sanctified speculation yeah. um but so he I mean he understood both both stations in life, uh, and I think under I think understood that as just the, the life circumstance that you happen to find yourself in by virtue of the grace of God. Yes. Uh, now, so so how would I mean you you take you have a particular take on this particular verse that the ancients had that's different from the modern one that's popular in our churches. How how are those two things different?
1: Well, and again, this is complicated because the ancients didn't all agree on this either. So just a, a few moments ago, I spoke about how they tended to talk about in what they often called the gift of continence, being the gift of being unmarried rather than the capacity to be sexually holy in not being married, but just the state of being unmarried. Um, Augustine, when we get to Augustine, things begin to change a little bit because he brings in far more complex and I think theologically um, faithful in many ways, discussions about um, the corruption of our our will as Christians or as humans, really, because of our you know original sin in Adam and the way that we our desires are always inclined to evil, um, that we we're not able to do that which we know is good because um, we we are in Adam. And so Augustine is very realistic, I think more so than a lot of his earlier um, forebears, that actually even as we, we know that it is right to be chaste in marriage and continent in singleness, that actually living that out is far more complicated because of our sinfulness. But his answer to that, well, not his answer, he says scripture's answer to that, is that God's grace is what allows us to not only desire to live rightly, but to actually go ahead and live rightly before God. And so he talks about, in the context of marriage and what we say today is singleness, he talks about essentially the, I want to use the word, the ordinary grace of God um, that has appeared to us in Christ, the indwelling spirit at work in our lives, as being utterly sufficient for our sanctification Um, We don't need some special additional booster shot of the Holy Spirit so that we don't sin sexually. The grace of God has appeared that teaches and trains us to renounce unrighteousness. And so he does talk about a gift of continence in singleness or a gift of chastity in marriage as being about the capacity to live a holy life. But what he sees on view there is uh, God's grace that actually allows us to do that rather than something on top of the grace of God.
0: But you, but yeah, you may, and you maintain all along that this is not, you know, something that is specially given to single people, but is something that uh, was accomplished at the cross and is available to all believers Absolutely. and expect and expected of all believers.
1: Absolutely, to, yep.
0: Um, and
1: and the same in marriage as well as in singleness. You know, being sexually holy in marriage is a tall order for us sinful people. Marriage doesn't sort of, you know, getting married and getting to sort of have sex with your husband or wife doesn't suddenly make you um, no longer a sexual sinner, um, whether that's in action or in thought and desire. And so the grace of God is just as necessary for our sexual sin in marriage as it is in singleness.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point, because I think in general, I think our culture has overstated the place of sex. In relationships and in marriage, and I think the church, in my in my view, in many places, has has overstated the 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 role of marriage mm, yes. in the in the sanctification of believers. Yes. Uh, yeah. And so the idea that you would have, to, I, I like I like the imagery you use of the the booster shot uh, mm. of special grace to quote have the gift of celibacy or the gift of singleness. I think puts. Puts an expectation on single adults that's different, at least sounds different than, than the expectation on married adults. Um, that the that, and because I don't think the temp, you know, marriage doesn't cure sexual temptation.
1: No, uh, and that's I think, right. And I think
0: to treat it like that is a huge mistake, and we set mm-hmm. our. I think we set ourselves up for failure if if that's we do and, that.
1: And the other thing that um just as I was thinking about as you were talking, then is that. know this gift of singleness is this booster shot idea it's normally talked about as being for you know a select few who are God is going to enable to remain single for life the reality is most of the women that I have ministered amongst would love to be married I myself would love to have been married I may you know I still would love to be married if that's what God's plan is for me I don't none of us have felt like we have this kind of special gift that we keep hearing is necessary to remain single long-term. So on one hand, we're being told we need this special spiritual gift if we have any hope of not falling into sexual morality long-term as single women in Christ. On the other hand, God hasn't given us this so-called special gift. And so we, so many single Christians, women and men, just end up stuck in this no man's land of, you've told me I need this special gift from God, but he hasn't given me this gift. So what am I meant to do? How do I reconcile God's goodness um, to me in that context? And I think if we just think about this and think about the pastoral implications of it, we begin to see this just does not work scripturally. It just doesn't work.
0: Well, I think, yeah, not only biblically, but I think pastorally too, because I found Mm -hmm. with the single adults I ministered to for several years— Uh, You know, the idea of singleness as a gift, most of them would sort of turn up their nose and say, no, singleness is a curse, the way they didn't view it as as any kind of gift at all. Mm. Um,
1: Which I think we also need to address because... You know, if even though singleness is not this particular sort of gift, which is this booster shot of, you know, self-control, the Bible does still speak about it as being a gift. You know, 1 Corinthians 7 is soaked through with the language of singleness actually being, dare I say it, better than marriage. And so if the Apostle Paul is talking about the goodness of singleness, we as a church need to help single Christians to recognize that their singleness is not actually a tragedy in God's sight um, it's a good thing that he's placed them in in this moment for however long it lasts, and I think we have a responsibility to come alongside them and help them to see the truth of that from God's word and to make that livable within our church community for our relationships to reflect that truth as well.
0: Well, and I think if 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 our listeners read the rest of First Corinthians seven, uh, particularly beginning and around verse twenty five, mm. uh, some some of that I think is. Paul's teaching is that singleness is better, uh, prudentially, because of the culture of persecution that they lived in at that time. But I think there also he also makes some arguments that it it may be it, it's at least morally equivalent to yes. marriage, uh, because yes. you know he makes it clear in First Corinthians seven that you know marriage marriage is not going to last forever it's not eternal, um, and that you know, the person who's married has divided interests as opposed to the person who's single does not. Yeah. Um, and it seems to me that is, that is still true today, uh, just as it was in, in the first century. And so what we encourage people to do when you're thinking about premarriage marriage counseling or things like that, what are, what are the kingdom reasons for why you are getting married to this person?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, how can
0: we advance the kingdom better together than we could separately? because um, that's I think yeah. that's a hard question that we don't we don't often entertain and don't and don't ask people to entertain. Uh, that,
1: yeah, and I think that's often largely because we have absorbed a lot of the world's thinking about marriage as being about my personal fulfillment, my personal happiness, what's going to sort of bring me um, joy. And marriage should bring us joy and happiness. But when we read scriptural accounts of marriage, it's very rarely about us, and it's much more about loving our spouse being part of the body of Christ and pointing towards the eternal marriage. Um, so I think our view on marriage as much as singleness needs to sort of come back to Scripture a bit and be reformed somewhat.
0: Well, one one last question, Danny. Um, besides what you just said, which is great advice for single adults today, uh, what other advice would you have for single men and women navigating the, the landscape, not only sexually but just generally relationally today?
1: Um, I think the first thing I want to say is I understand how hard it is. You know, I'm, I'm there. I've felt it myself. I've ministered amongst many, many singles who just find it really hard to, to be single, um, to embrace that and to honestly think it is good in light of the church's broad teaching about singleness over the last, you know, three, four, five decades. Um, But We need to be people of God's word. We need to go back to scripture and we see in scripture that, you know, one Corinthians seven does talk about singleness actually being a good, wonderful situation for God's people. And as you said before, we have a picture of eternity in which actually none of us will be married to each other. None of us will be husbands and wives in heaven. We will be the bride of Christ collectively, but we won't be individually husbands and wives Instead, we'll be brothers and sisters in Christ for all eternity. And so if that, if that's our eternal destiny and how amazing is that going to be beyond what we can even imagine it now, that I think has to give some dignity to being single in this life. We as single Christians get to point towards that eternity um, in a really unique way. And I think I want to exhort and encourage and challenge single Christians to not be content to sit in the discontentment but to actually go back to God's Word and grapple with what God's perspective on singleness is um, and, and to embrace that.
0: Danny, that's great advice, to, to don't be content to sit in the discontentment.
1: Mm. That's,
0: that's really well put. So appreciate your work on this. Um, and I, I love for our listeners, especially who are single, uh, to appreciate the station in life that you're in as a gift from God, not a, not a booster shot. But a gift, a gift from God, to pursue the particular things that He's calling you to in this mm. stage of life. Mm. Yeah. Um, and for those for those of our listeners who are married, uh, to look at your married life as as equally a gift, and to think about well, you know what is God calling you to do in in that particular station in your life, which may may be some, a lot of things that be similar, but some will be quite different as well. Mm. So Absolutely. this has been really rich. I'm so grateful for your the, the work on this, uh, and how you've been able to articulate this so well, so oh, great. Thank you great, for having
1: me. I appreciate it. You know,
0: greatly appreciated for your time today. Thank you. This has been an episode of the podcast Think Biblically: Conversations on Faith and Culture. Think the Think Biblically podcast is brought to you by Talbot School of Theology at Biola University, offering programs in Southern California and online, including in our Institute for Spiritual Formation. Visit biola.edu slash Talbot in order to learn more. If you enjoyed today's conversation with Danny Treeweek, give us a rating on your podcast app and share it with a friend. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, think biblically about
1: everything.